Good day, folks, and welcome to another edition of our FX podcast series. Today, once again, I'm joined by Chris Brand from our FX trading desk and Sandra Horsfield from our economics team. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I had to lick my wounds after losing the May predictor game to Chris. Recall, we both made predictions on where sterling dollar would end up at at the end of May. We both called for a move up in in cable above 140 correctly. Um, However, I felt that cable might settle back below the 140 handle by month end, which it didn't. I based my call on the fact that the Indian variant had just started to hit the airwaves and together with rising US inflation, I felt uh, there was a chance of a pullback. It's therefore one of those bets that I was more than happy to lose. I even upgraded the coffee I owed Chris to an after-work pint because on the sterling side, the fact that cable didn't move low was in part due to the vaccinations doing a good job in containing the Delta variant to a large extent and long may that continue. But we will touch on this more and the US inflation picture too in a sec. Before I get to quiz Sandra and Chris on what's been going on in the market, I wanted to give you a bit of insight into the FX corporate hedging landscape. Now, in the FX options world, volatility remains very subdued, which is unsurprising given sterling dollar has failed to trade one cent higher or lower than 140.150 for the best part of a month now. In fact, sterling dollar vols are at post-COVID lows, having remained relatively high compared to other G10 pairs throughout the second half of 2020 because of lingering Brexit fears, which of course now have been fully priced out since Christmas. Vols are now also flirting with the lows of 2014 when six-month implied vol in cable got down to 5.5 versus 6.8 now. So my message to all corporate clients who hedge with vanilla options is to definitely check your hedge ratios. It might be a very good time to revisit layering in cover given favorable well, given the favorable impact that low volatility has on options premiums. Um, now, let's take turn our attention to uh, the wider global economy. Um, despite currency markets trading in tight ranges, it's been a pretty big week in terms of data releases. We've had April's UK GDP numbers out um, this morning and the ECB policy decision yesterday, for instance. So perhaps, Sandra, I'll bring you in here. Um, is it possible to give us a run through of what these looked like um, and what and how this potentially has impacted our outlook, um, certainly for sterling euro uh, in particular. Yes, sure. Thanks, Kieran. I think on the GDP numbers this morning from the UK, those were really pretty close to expectations. Um, We got the boost that we expected from the unlocking of non-essential retail and outdoor hospitality that resumed in the middle of the month in April. Um, And that resulted in a 2.3% jump in GDP uh, on the month. Uh, Pre-pandemic, that would have been a very strong quarterly number for a monthly number now. um, That was on consensus, pretty much. Um, The shortfall in terms of output relative to pre-pandemic level is also continuing to narrow. Um, We are now down to uh, 3.7% gap there. So that's all pretty good news um, and really led by um, service sector output. Um, As I said, uh, there was one surprise in the numbers, which was industrial production figures. They declined 1.3%, but that was really mainly due to plant shutdowns of oil and gas extraction facilities for maintenance. So that's a temporary effect. If we take a step back, we're still looking at a picture of bumper GDP growth in the second quarter um, and our full year GDP growth forecast for the UK, um, which is at 7.7% currently, um, could well be too low. We may even be looking at a number north of 8% as a result of all of this unlocking. So that was really 
positive news. Um, on the other hand, um, the other piece of news yesterday was, of course, the ECB policy decision there. We didn't get a change in rates. We didn't get a change in terms of the overall scale and time frame for the uh, quantitative easing program. So that was all much as expected. Where there had been more uncertainty was about what the ECB would do with its PEP purchases. Remember the March meeting, it had scaled up the pace of asset purchases um, in light of concerns about the outlook. Uh, this time around, they maintained this faster pace, um, which came as a bit of a surprise to us, despite the fact that they upgraded their growth and inflation forecasts. Now, we had Lagarde uh, summarizing this as a steady hand type of decision. Um, it clearly wasn't a unanimous one, though. And I think that's something that uh, we'll bear watching for the time being. We'll probably get some more comments from the dissenters and also some clues as to where exactly the limits to tolerance for higher inflation are. We had some comments this morning from Holzman from the ECB saying that if inflation were to be above 3%, that would cause a rethink of the strategy. So that's really the two main events we've recently had. If we put this together in the currency perspective, I think the strong performance of the UK economy coupled with a pretty dovish ECB could point to the direction of more sterling strength. But neither of the two, um, neither the data nor the ECB were really a big enough surprise to alter the picture much. Great, thanks, Sandra. And uh, I think the other thing that we probably should pick on as well, um, given the week's releases, was the US inflation numbers. And maybe I can bring you in here, Chris. Um, so so we had the CPI US inflation numbers out this week. And you know, prior to this, there's obviously been this this inflationist transitory pitch by most F Fed members, although we're beginning to see a few cracks there, I think. Um, how, how, how did this pan out for you on the trading side of things? And um, you know, what does the outlook look like um, in terms of its impact on, on sterling dollar? Yeah, well, I think for our side, we're really kind of waiting for the FOMC next week. I think this is going to be um, the real key um, bit of emotion we're looking for for the next part of the direction. So they're going to be publishing updated projections on uh, interest rates, employment, and also the inflation. And I think this is, I think it might be the first update they've done since March. So we're all waiting for this on Wednesday to see what they come out with and see what these um, update projections are. I do expect them to still say that the inflationary pressure is temporary. Um, I don't see them changing that for rhetoric just yet. Um, but we'll certainly have quite a lot of focus on Powell when he speaks afterwards. Um, I think one of was mentioned earlier is that what the ECB was saying, that they need to see inflation over 3% before they rethink. Um, and I think that's the same for a lot of CBs. They're quite happy to see inflation run higher. Um, but I guess you get to that point where it's like how high is high and when they become uncomfortable and what levels is they, they need to get to in the inflation before they actually start changing their tune a little bit. But I would say pretty much most central banks are in the same position at the moment. So it's a wait and see from them. And I think it's a wait and see from us as well while we wait to see what they say on Wednesday. And Sandra, from your side, anything on US inflation? Yeah, I think it was interesting that the numbers again were an upside surprise, not quite to the same extent as we had in the previous month. Um, but still very strong numbers. Yet the market reaction um, was quite different this time around. Um, I think the main uh, reason for that is that markets have seized on inflation strength being largely confined to certain pockets. 
in particular used cars and airfares um, were the really strong drivers of the numbers. That said, there were some stronger numbers in new cars, um, in clothing prices and in furniture prices too. So it's not entirely uh, the case that it's just something um, very specific, but it's still pretty contained and that's that's really driving the market. I think I would pick up also on Chris's point on the FOMC being the main um, news item to uh, look out for. Um, yes, we will get these new inflation uh, forecasts. We will get new growth forecasts. Both of these um, we expect to be upgraded. Um, on the unemployment forecast, though, it's not clear that um, the Fed's forecasts uh, from March do need much changing. So, um, of course, the labour market is something that the Fed has stressed very much as being very important, and they've changed strategy um, to emphasize that it's okay to overshoot inflation um, for some time to make up for past undershoots um, relative to target. How much of an uh, overshoot and how long for is acceptable is much less clear, though, and uh, what constitutes substantial progress, as they've been calling for on the job front, is equally unclear. So any comments there could trigger some market moves. Now, the other thing to watch out within those uh, forecasts will be the uh, so-called dot plot, in that um, you see how individual FOMC members see rates evolving. Um, in March, we had four FOMC members projecting that rates should be hiked already from 2022 onwards, and the further three from 2023. What is the situation now in light of the inflation numbers? Well, that will be the key question to watch. Um, will there be more joining this camp? Um, and will that put pressure on Powell regarding tapering, given that tapering should, of course, in all likelihood be completed before uh, rate hikes themselves begin? So that's really the main things to look out for next week. That's very interesting and certainly one we'll be keeping a close eye on. Um, the other thing that we just cannot fail to, to mention really um, in any of these podcasts is, is the COVID picture. So. I'm interested to, again, just maybe um, get your thoughts, Sandra, on on what the kind of current state of play is with regards uh, the Delta variant. And maybe you can run us through the numbers of where we are and whether um, our economist and our desk feels that, that this is something that um, potentially could have an impact on, on June the 21st. Of course, I think the COVID numbers themselves in terms of case numbers have gone up pretty rapidly. And that is clearly a concern. We've now had a couple of days of well above 7,000 new daily cases. The seven-day moving average, which is probably the thing to watch most closely, is up 63%. That's a, not a pretty number. Uh, Delta is clearly behind that. Matt Hancock indicated that uh, it now makes up 91% of the new cases. Um, and the question is now, is there going to be a disconnect between cases on the one hand and hospitalizations and deaths on the other, thanks to the vaccines. And that's something that uh, the jury is still out on. So more time may be needed to be able to be certain about that. What does that mean for the 21st of June? Well, we'll get an announcement on Monday um, from the government on that, on how these restrictions um, will evolve. Will they be removed? Will they be removed in full, only partly? Was some talk previously about a mix and match approach to removing them. There were other talks of um, perhaps delaying them by two to four weeks. I think these are the sort of options that um, will likely be considered here. Um, we will see whether the government feels confident enough to go ahead fully with the restrictions as they are. From the economic point of view, um, I guess that the second quarter is a very strong one, it's baked in no matter what happens with the 21st of June. 
And if it's a pretty minor delay, it will not derail the um, overall picture very much. But of course, longer term, much really hinges on how um, deathly and how generally um, the large the pressures are on the healthcare system as a result of Delta. And we just simply don't know as yet. What about you, Chris? Um, any thoughts on, on the Delta variant? Yeah, I mean, in terms of market reactions, so far it feels like we're kind of seeing through those risks at the moment. I think while it is a concern and clearly it's like um, 60% more transmissible and we're seeing this um, this rise, I think we do look at the cases in Bolton where there was the outbreak and the numbers they had there and it showed that basically people that were double vaccinated, only a very small percentage of those were in hospital. It was mainly people that were even non-vaccinated or only had the one jab. So I think you can read on from that that it is working um, against the Delta variant. Um is it enough to stop the delay of opening? I think it's going to be quite finely balanced. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we did see a slight delay, um, just to be sure, as they speed up the um, the vaccination program. I know there's already talk about getting people jabbed to the second jab a little bit quicker, and they're doing these kind of um, you know these mass vaccination things like they did in Bolton. So, yeah, I, I think maybe a slight delay, um, but I think the market would largely see for it. You might get the initial reaction of when a delay comes. And you see Sterling get hit a little bit, but I think overall we still see um, the opening of the economy and it's still going to happen, even if it is like a few weeks late. Oh, great. Um, so, yeah, I think it's almost time to, to wrap this up. There's really not been a hell of a lot that's gone on in the last month or so, certainly with currencies, but um, so much still to look forward to this year. I mean, Sandra, is there anything that you can think of in the next um um, the, the immediate future that we should be keeping an eye on, um, you guys mentioned the FOMC, but um, things that potentially could have an impact on, on currency markets. Yeah, I think one thing to watch out for um, is our old friend uh, Brexit. We've had uh, talks in the press about potentially some comments, some intervention being made by Biden regarding the Northern Ireland protocol. Uh, of course, we have the G7 summit happening at the moment um, as we speak and running throughout the weekend. So any headlines um, regarding the Northern Ireland protocol and how that will be implemented and whether these uh, pressures that are seeing will escalate or not, um, that could have a bearing on the currency. Um, there are clearly threats of unilateral action being made to suspend parts of the protocol. And if so, that could be a threat certainly to Sterling. Longer term, also next week from Friday onwards, the Governing Council um, will have a retreat to discuss the ECB strategy review. Um, that will take place, as I said, from next Friday onwards. This strategy review had been delayed for some time um, and it will have a bearing on basically the ECB's reaction function to how the economy evolves. Will they tolerate uh, longer overshoots of inflation relative to the target? Will they do something similar to the Fed? Won't they? Uh, will they go for something completely different, something symmetrical, or will it be a damp squib and not really change the picture much? So that will be one to, to watch out for. On the data front, um, next week will be a pretty big data week in the UK again. We have the labour market uh, numbers due, we have the all-important CPI numbers due, and we also have retail sales figures. So There'll be plenty to uh, keep us going there next week. And uh, any of these, if there are substantial surprises, could also uh, trigger change in the currency. That's great. And finally, Chris, just from your side, um, again, I always like to wrap up with some, some technicals. Sterling Euro and Sterling Dollar remain the two big ones that our clients 
um, focus on. So, yeah, any any important levels that you're seeing on the technical front there? Um, yeah, I guess in the short term in sterling euro, you got around a one fifteen seventy support, um, but with the stronger uh, coming in around one fourteen fifty. While uh, resistance comes in around one sixteen eighty, one seventeen to twenty, with the real strong resistance around a one eighteen level. In um, cable, we keep seeing some really good selling interest above one forty two. Every time we sort of pop up there, there is um, quite a lot of large selling activity comes in. So it's been a struggle to break higher. But um, we are still in up with trend, I think, and we have some decent support around 140. Um, so I think we need to break above that 142, 48 um, previous high if we want to see a new higher range. Um, and the next resistance from there really is the kind of 145, 50, 60 area. That's great. So I think um, from my side, I think we, we, we given I've lost the last bet, and I, I think. Uh, don't like losing, as you know, Chris. I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a new challenge for all three of us this time around. Let, let's let's go with sterling euro. Um, one word answers. No need to to back it up. But um, where do you think sterling euro will fix by the end of June? Um, Sandra, I'll go with one sixteen. What about you, Chris? Uh, I'll go for one seventeen fifty. Ooh, I'm going to be the bearish one again. I'm going to go 115.80, quite close to Sandra, but a little bit lower. All right, so let's see. Chaps and folks, that's a wrap from the three of us. Until next one, thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. All the best.